having a hard time believing another month has come and gone in the year 2020. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And what a year this year of 2020 has been. I was thinking the other day as I looked at the calendar and I'm trying to prepare some radio programs in advance because of some travel, some things that are on my mind, some projects. I spent I spent a little bit of time the other day cleaning out my little office and studio combination that I have. It's not a very big room. Literally, it is five feet by six feet. That's it. Just a very tiny room. And I need to do a little bit more soundproofing in here, I think, as well. But it's serving the purpose for the moment. But as I looked at the calendar and I try to get a a clear understanding of the things that are that are going on in this world today and realizing where's this year gone how many of you are like me and and I wanted to share a few thoughts today on this program that is going to be both our Friday edition and weekend show I've got about four things running in my mind right now number one all the plans you sometimes can make may completely fall apart. I can remember back in February, before the virus was even really being spoken about and and lockdowns and all that stuff that came just a matter of 30 days or less later. I remember doing a radio program for the weekend show called Blown Up Plans. And, and I was a little bit you know, it was one of those kind of sad things that happens in life. You make all these great plans and then something just comes along to kind of knock them out of the park where what you hope to have happen doesn't. Way back in February, I was looking forward to a very special conference with some of my clergy friends. We were going to meet. We're going to meet in St. Augustine, Florida. Now, You know, it's not the most tropic of all weather, but it sure beats being up in, let's say, upstate New York, where I came from that time of the year. And I was looking forward to not just getting together with people within my own church body, but also I had reached out earlier to somebody in in Virginia uh, that I knew of in a very similar church body. And, And my wife and I made the decision to to invite him and his wife to to join us for a couple of days at my expense. And so, you know, we book all the rooms, which ended up being non-refundable. And it's just a, it was just an awful time. The day before, now for weeks I've been planning, doing extensive planning for what this is going to be. I mean, I spent some money I probably shouldn't have spent on getting some beautiful, you know, polo or golf kind of shirts made up with the with the logo of our church group and also some other items that I wanted to pass out, like really nice coffee cups. And I was going to, you know, give some of these to my fellow clergy and also some ideas that just, you know, how do we, how do we get the message out of who we are? How do we help grow our churches? How do we reach into our communities? And how do we reach out to other like-minded Christians to work better together and not be so much apart? Man, I spent from basically right after Thanksgiving last year, which is in November here in the United States, 
getting ready for this this time, I knew it was going to be, well, life-changing, or it could be. And so we did all this planning, had all the rooms booked, airline reservations for some people already made to come down from way up north and all over. And what happened? The day before I am to get up in the morning and drive the little over three hours to St. Augustine, everything is already ready. We've got even the dog sitters lined up for a couple of days. Get a phone call that one of the very important people that needs to come there, they're not going to be able to make it because of weather issues. And I'm figuring, wow, this is going to be so disappointing. But okay, there's still a few of us that can get together. And then an hour or two later, the same thing happened to somebody else in another part of the country. Snow. It was going to be for that small airport, not good. You couldn't fly. And so suddenly, two of the most important people to come can't make it. And so we, about one o'clock in the morning, made the hard decision to pull the plug on that on that meeting and some of us like me were stuck with reservations we could never use and so be it it never happened and so all this time of planning november december january all the way into early february three and a half months really putting my heart and soul into this what'll be a three-day event all came to a crashing end because of weather. We never expected to have that happen. Of course, you never do when you're that far out. And even in the days prior to the event, we didn't see any weather situations developing around the country that could cause this kind of a problem, but they it just happened. And so our plan at the time was to kind of regroup ourselves. And in regrouping ourselves, we were going to you know, maybe meet in April or or May, or maybe even in June, but we would just do it a little later on. And so we started putting feelers out. When would be good? Well, you got Mother's Day in May, you got this, you got graduation. So we're, we're trying to find a new date for everybody. And then I get that phone call out of the blue. We had all been hearing about this new virus coming from somewhere, probably China, and we don't know a whole lot about it. There's so much conflicting information. You've got authorities like the World Health Organization saying not to worry, this this virus is not contagious to human beings. Well, that turned out not to be true. And the more we're beginning to learn about this virus, it seemed like this thing could be a serious health problem And then the Imperial College of London came out with their predictions about how many people could die by the summertime, like, you know, June. The number was horrifically scary. And I have that phone call saying, we need your help. I have done some emergency management work in the past, and I was asked to assist a county, and I made the trip. I drove up from Florida to North Carolina. And for the next six, seven weeks, that's what I did. But I realized the numbers were not adding up, and that's another story for another day. But I'm just saying our plans got changed. Well, that all of a sudden now we're in lockdown, shutdowns, and social distancing, schools closing. 
obviously, obviously, it's pretty self-evident that we're not going to be having uh, our meeting in <laughs> in May or 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 June, maybe in the fall, and you know, it just goes on and on. And all of a sudden, everything we had planned for the year 2020, as I look at it now, never happened. My wife and I had a number of plans of things we wanted to get done here at our place in Georgia and also within our region. I had been seriously considering in the back of my mind, but I never could figure how I was going to do it, to maybe even you know plan a small church right either in Georgia or North Carolina. We're right on the state line, so either one would have been just fine. But I just never felt strongly that I should be doing it. it maybe you've been there yourself, especially when you're in, in ministry work. You'll understand what I'm talking about. You think you need to be doing something and uh, in ministry, but it just doesn't pan out the way you think it should. And you put your effort in, and there's just no return. I've been there before. I, I understand that. Sometimes it's our own minds and ego playing into what we think we're supposed to be doing when, in fact, it's something totally different. But I look at this year of 2020, and and I, I, I stand amazed. I mean, I'm old enough to have been around the block a few times, and I've just never seen a year like this. I just haven't. Even, even back after... What happened at 9-11 on that fateful day in 2001 when thousands of Americans died? It changed things for a while, but you realize that within a year, it was business as usual for most people, even after such a horrific event, horrific event as 9-11. Politics came back to normal. Life seemed to come back to normal. But the heart of man is what it is, the heart of man. And it didn't take long before the politics just descended into the mire and just into the mud. But this year of 2020, this year of 2020 is so different than anything I've ever seen. Now we have not just politics dividing us, but how people respond to the virus impacting us. Other day, my wife and I had to run to the store, and as we were heading toward town, I realized we need to get some gas for the car because I had not had a chance to stop. I'd been doing some travel, and you know I just didn't stop to get gas at, late at night. And so finally took the car out and drove down the hill and stopped at a gas station. And I, you know, just start filling my car up. And I'm, I'm looking at this older couple, could be my age now. I mean, I keep thinking that I'm still young, but I'm looking at this couple probably in their 60s, driving a nice little car, nothing spectacular. And they are outside, you know, with their face mask on pumping gas into their car and cleaning the windows. Okay. And they get in the car and drive off, both still wearing their face mask. 
we have almost a religion developing about face masks and the term science. Like I say, today's one of those programs. I just want to share a few things to kind of tie this this year together now that we're virtually 10 months are gone. 10 months behind us, two months to go. We've come a long way in this year of 2020. And, and I wonder how it's going to pan out as we get toward the end. But I'm looking at this couple getting in a car, and they drive off. And there's no taking off of the face mask. And, and I've driven around, and I'll see somebody alone in a car wearing a face mask and even gloves. And they, they somehow, I don't understand why they think they need to do this, are they afraid of spreading the coronavirus to nobody in their car? Do they believe that the mask will magically protect them from the COVID virus? It won't. Even the, the box tells you that it can't and it won't and it doesn't. Yet people say, well, I don't care what the box says. I've got this fear and, and I'm just, you might as well have a lucky rabbit's foot in your pocket. Come on. To think that this is going to somehow save you, especially when you're driving in a car at 50 miles an hour, the coronavirus doesn't speed down the highway and, and try to break into your windows. And yet people have this almost religion of science. In our political campaigns here in the United States, all we've heard is I'll follow the silence from one into the science. I'll follow the science, the science, the science, the science. It's become Scientology. It's become a religion, not science. Science challenges the conventional wisdom to either prove or disprove something. A theory is nothing more, as one professor many, many years ago said in a, in a in a college class, when asked to define science, he said, science starts out with just a, a guess, a guess. And people in the class, of course, laugh when they hear that. What do you mean science starts out as a guess? We guess something is this way, then we have to find ways of either proving or disproving this guess or this theory, this idea, this concept. Galileo wondered about the earth and gravity and wondered what the, what this force really was. We didn't understand the planets and things as we do today, but you know the conventional wisdom at the time was the earth is flat and you're out of your mind to think that it's round and on and on it goes. And over time, trying to experiment, trying to find ways to prove this theory that maybe the Earth is not flat, maybe it is actually round. Maybe we are not the center of the universe after all, as many of us had originally thought. See, at that time, the science said, not just theology, the science said, the Earth is flat. From what they observed, the, the Earth has got to be flat. They didn't understand gravity. They didn't understand any of this that we don't think twice about today. It's funny when people talk about things of faith and religion and you know, the Bible was right about something way back in the Old Testament, long before Galileo, long before 
Anybody even conceive the notion that the earth is round like a ball? The earth is described in the in the scripture with a word that is translated sphere, like a round ball. Isn't that amazing that the scripture had it right thousands of years ago, long before we had experiments to prove that the earth is even round? Just a little side note. So here we are in this year of 2020. Two months to go. And next week here in the United States on Tuesday, it's our election day. And who knows how this is going to turn out. I mean, this is this is anybody's guess on what's going to happen on Tuesday. If you're listening to this broadcast internationally, like in maybe Australia, maybe somewhere in the continent of Africa, if you're listening to this broadcast and you have your opinions about let's say, United States government stuff or how things are done here, I will urge you in many cases not to trust some of the media in this country because they have been proven to be liars. They have been proven to be factually inaccurate. They've been proven to be, in many cases, like the worst being CNN, politically biased, all in for a cause. When you go back to the beginning of the Soviet Union after the Bolshevik Revolution, all this occurring around the time of World War I, Lenin pretty much decided to take over the press, in other words, the news, and control it. Because if you can control the narrative, you can control the people. And so he named the, the newspaper and then eventually the agency that ran all, a lot of the news the, the primary newspaper is called Pravda, which in Russian means truth. I talked a long time ago about the word truth versus factually accurate. When I was coming up as a child, we were told and we learned at a young age we are to tell the truth. We need to be honest and accurate. And that to tell a lie is unacceptable. To be dishonest is not a good thing. It is sin. We learned that as kids. Now, many of us probably did. But the, but the bottom line is, truth used to be something that was, well, dependable. But see, in the Soviet Union, they began to modify what the word truth really means. The truth is the agenda of the day. The truth is what you're supposed to believe. The truth is what you're being told, and you are to accept that truth. Regardless of any evidence, you must believe that truth. And there's a consequence if you don't. In the Soviet Union, Pravda was used as a propaganda instrument to deceive the people on a daily basis. Even in 1930s Germany, same thing. One of the first things that the Nationalist Socialist Party did was to take control of the news media, radio, and, and, uh, and movies, even the kind of music being recorded, started to be controlled to, to control the narrative. And that's important for you to understand. Control the narrative. A while back, I did a program about truth 
and I'm thinking about it right now, the the book 1984 by George Orwell, written in 1949, as the world was beginning for the first time to really understand the dangers of communism. See, prior to the Second World War, communism, as we knew it, was contained in one nation called Russia, which called itself the Soviet Union, that had eyes on acquiring more territory in their part of the world. But this is before satellites. This is before we're traveling by jet airliners. This is before this World Wide Web that connects us. And so something in a, in a country like Russia so far away was foreign to us and our ears, and we didn't really worry about it because we had the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean between us and them. That was the mindset for quite a long time. But the world started getting smaller after the Second World War, having had soldiers in Europe and the Pacific at the same time, and movies, and radio, and then eventually television, to bring the world into our living rooms in ways that were impossible just a generation before. And so the world started to become a smaller place than it was. We felt safe in our nation, the United States, because the world could not get to us. And now with the intercontinental ballistic missile, everything was changing. That war could come to us from afar. And George Orwell, in his book 1984, is trying to explain to us how this system to persuade you to believe things actually works. Fear is a great motivator. We've learned that in this pandemic. Fear will cause you to do things you normally would not do if there's no reason to be afraid. And Orwell said that what you'd find is a ministry of truth. They control the narrative. And just like with all the riots that occurred starting back in May and across the summer and tearing down of monuments and buildings and things and and trying to just erase part of our history, whether it's good or bad is irrelevant. History is a teacher, and it's one we need to respect. But let's go back in our minds and time here just for a second. If you read George Orwell's book, they talk about how the Ministry of Truth is busy tearing down statues, renaming streets, and reinventing and rewriting history on a daily basis where there is never a past. We have an anticipatory future, but in essence, we are only allowed to live and think in the present reality of truth that we are given for that particular day and time. I see that book. 1984, as a scary warning to each and every one of us. I've lamented this many a time on this particular radio show, that we're not teaching our young people history. We're not teaching our young people how to think rationally. We're not, we're not giving them the critical skills that maybe my generation was, and perhaps many of my generation just failed to take advantage of and use. 
We have young people today that know nothing about World War II, let alone World War I. They barely even know what the Vietnam War or Korean conflict was unless they happen to have some relative that was involved and told them the story of what was going on. I talk to young people, a lot of them, and they're just woefully missing such important stuff in their lives, and it's scary. It's not only scary, but it's worrisome to me. There's a word my wife hates to hear on the TV. And if you're listening overseas, you you don't you may not know who this individual is, but if you are from the United States and you were raised in the in the time frame that I was, you've heard the name Joe Namath. He was a famous football player, not to be confused with soccer, it's the football of America. And he was a legendary football star and player. Well, he's older now, and you see him on the TV this time of the year. Uh, when we kind of update our our Medicare for those that are senior citizens like ourselves, we can change part of our plan during this open enrollment period. And there's Joe Namath on the TV now talking to us senior citizens who have to decide whether to maintain the way we're doing our current insurance or now's a good time to make a change. And he's there talking about the new Medicare benefits plan. I'm not, now, I'm not throwing off on the company. I'm just the whole way we advertise and think in this country. Get all the benefits you're entitled to. Get all the benefits you're entitled to. And that, that, that's his big chant every time he gets on there. Get all the benefits I did not know until I called this number and found out that I could get this and I could get that. So get everything you're entitled to. Many, many years ago, the word entitled had a different meaning than the word does today. Back when I came along, the word entitled meant you earned it, you worked for it, you gave of yourself to acquire this. I worked for a, a department store when I was 16, stocking shelves, and I was entitled every week to a, to a paycheck or a pay envelope. Actually, they gave cash back in those days. And and I was entitled to it because I put in X number of hours of work in exchange for a wage. My entire life, when I've worked in on air and radio or in engineering, I worked and I gave of my time and my life, a piece of my life was given to this company. In exchange, they paid X number of dollars to which I could use to keep a roof over my head, a car in the driveway, and food in the table. The word entitled was so different 30, 40 years ago. Now people have a different definition of the word entitled. I mean, it's a very different world and, and word today. I want something, therefore I'm entitled to it because I want it. Not that you earned it, but I want it. Young people today say, well, I'm entitled to a good, you know, good smartphone. I mean, I'm entitled to an iPhone because I want one. And many parents cave to their young people without giving it a second thought. They just simply cave. And mom and dad are paying for these smartphones 
and these kids live on them because they feel entitled. You know what's really sad? When you have people that are in their early 20s trying to figure a way to scam the system so they can be considered disabled so they don't have to work. Somebody else will pay it. My wife and I talk a lot about what we call the entitled world around us. People that, when they walk their dogs, won't clean up after them, even if it's on somebody else's property. Or they think that because it's a common area or park, it doesn't matter. It's the entitled mentality. So as I look at this year of 2020, we've got to take a break here in just a moment. As I look at this year of 2020, and I look where we started, where we've gone to, where we are. We are in the United States and the Western world at large. We are a more divided people than we ever have been in my entire lifetime, bar none. We are divided on politics. We are divided on, on issues of science where this scientist opinion is more important than your scientist opinion, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. And my wife goes, when is this going to end? When is all this going to get back to normal? And my answer is, you'll have to wait until the other side of the break, and I'll give you my answer when things will actually return to normal. We are currently at our Georgia address, and we'll be here for a while, our little tiny place in the mountains. At least I'll be here for a while. And if you want to send me a card or letter or just a note that you're listening, especially if you're listening on radio, day and frequency and time are really important so I can make some decisions as we're getting ready to run out of this month and we're going to be going into November. I need to know which frequencies to remain on and which ones I may have to let go. So any information is helpful. You can also send that as an email to Bob at Truth, the number two, ponder. That's Bob at Truth, the number two, ponder.com. And let me know. Once again, if you're listening on radio, time and frequency are very important. We'll be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. One of the strangest of biblical books. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. I'm receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Purim. It's the Hebrew holiday that falls around March and which is celebrated to remember the events of the book of Esther. Now, the word Purim in Hebrew means lots. It's from that word we get the word lotto and lottery. So having the Feast of Purim is like having a Feast of Lotto. It's about lots and dice and the law of chance. And that's what the book of Esther seems to be about because for a while it seems like it's a book of chance. Everything's out of control. The wicked prosper and the righteous are cast down. and All the twists and turns of the plot, it seems as everything is out of control. It's random. It's chance. It's all epitomized by the Purim, which is Hebrew for the casting of the lots. And yet, as the story heads to its conclusion, all of a sudden, all those seemingly chance things, those random events, all start coming together. And everything starts turning and working for good. It's the hand of God. And so it is in your life, my friend. You see, your life will often seem to you to be a book of Esther. 
things will happen that you won't understand. You'll try to see the reason for it all, but it will seem hard to make sense of. Sometimes it'll seem that things just happen by chance or for no reason, the Purim. But remember the book of Esther. You see, God promises that as you follow him and press on with him, he'll work all those things in your life, all those things you couldn't understand together for good. That's a promise. Even though sometimes it'll be hard to see, nothing in your life will ever happen for no reason. All those things will work for good. So when you don't understand, trust and press on. And in the end, you can be sure you'll always have more than enough reason to celebrate the Lord's love. Happy Purim. Want more? Ask for the Porim. Now, the free gift for you, the incredible evidence and proof of Jesus as Messiah discovered in the writings of the rabbis in the mystery of the temple doors, plus sapphires guaranteed to give you the power of living a victorious life in God, all free. So how do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's all you do. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1, and you'll be so blessed. But call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, my friend, you're on this earth for a great purpose, to be a blessing. So I invite you to join with me in bringing the greatest blessing to the unreached peoples of this world, salvation to five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy at Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. It's The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Adon Olam, Lord of all. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to the second half of our Friday and weekend edition of your program, Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Today, I'm just doing for this weekend, just some thoughts at random. Just wanted to share a little bit from the heart, some of the things that are on my mind as we are getting ready to, well, we're saying goodbye to October and saying hello to to November. And as a United States citizen, if you're listening overseas, I'm wondering, like you are, what's going to happen in our nation come Tuesday? I spent a lot of years in media, even doing some news early in my career. I mean, I was trained to go out there and see a story, write about the story, then deliver it on the radio. And back when I started, way back in the early 1970s doing news, we had kind of an understanding in the business. Accuracy. We didn't use unnamed sources that couldn't be found. That was You just didn't do it. Especially when you're in a radio station in a city, not a network. Because see, once your credibility has been exposed, I was telling that to my wife the other day, even with television. Once your credibility or lack of has been exposed, it's hard to keep an audience. And that would happen in in smaller town or medium-sized markets. If you were known to deliver inaccurate news stories, because remember, the people live there. They, They saw firsthand what's going on in their towns and their communities. So it's hard to fool the locals when you're doing a story and telling them something that their own eyes tell them is not true. I mean, that's just the bottom line. 
But see, we've gotten to this point in network newscast, especially when it comes to things like CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, and you know, MSNBC, all of that. Truth is no longer even tolerated. I mean, real truth. They make up their own truth every night and every day because they are sold on a political narrative they want you to believe, just like propagandists of the Soviet Union did for all the years they were in business for about 70 some odd years till they collapsed among, upon themselves. And so we have all these people on the TV that are trying to tell you what you should think, how you should believe, and don't even trust your own eyes. And one of the things that is hard to explain, and I've had people try to explain it to me, I think I understand this, maybe, you, maybe you'll pick up on this. Like I say, in a local small market, when I say small market, let's say a county of, oh, I don't know, 25, 50,000 people or less, something like that, even in a county of 200,000 people, the person reporting the news in a newspaper or on the television or on the radio, he lives in that town. People know who he is. And if you report a story that many people also were an eyewitness and they're going, this guy's not right. That's that's not what we saw today. Your credibility in a small town is is just gone. And you, in terms of your job, will be gone in short order. That's just the way that it is in a small town. If you're running a small town newspaper, accuracy in spelling people's names, everything is, you're, you, you, can't, you can't make certain mistakes. But see, in the national arena, it's different. A reporter can make a statement about something that happened in Atlanta, Georgia, or Cleveland, Ohio, or San Diego, California, or Dallas, Texas. And if you're living in, I don't know, Indiana, or maybe Oklahoma, and you see the story, you weren't there, so you don't know if that person's fully telling the truth or not, or eliminating some of the important information. You know, telling a half-truth is still a whole lie, no matter how you cut it. That's your intent. You don't want somebody to be fully informed. And so many of these media outlets out there, you know, they'll tell you what they want you to know. Now, maybe you're living in, in Cleveland or Atlanta or wherever this story occurred, and you're watching it on a national newscast, and you'll say, well, that's not exactly how it happened. But, you know, you don't give it a big thought. You're, you're kind of acting like, well, they're from out of town. What do they know kind of mentality? Yet, you know they just told you a mistruth. Yet, the next story that comes on where you have no reference point because you don't live there, maybe the next story is coming out of, oh, I don't know, make up a town, Miami, Florida and you're living in Pennsylvania, and you've never been to Miami, so you immediately believe everything you're being told in the next story, and you don't question it. And that's one of those strange dichotomies when it comes to a national newscast covering events from hundreds of miles away in places you may have never been to before or you've only been to briefly, and you weren't a witness to that story. Are you following what I'm saying here? Just trying to just think about this just for a moment with me. Just follow along. There are people that blindly watch MSNBC or CNN in particular, and 
they'll see a story that kind of is in their backyard. They'll know that it's wrong. Yet the next story, because they have no reference point, they just believe it. They believe it because they are in a mindset, politically and otherwise, where they want to believe much of what they're being told because it fits their personal narrative. I'm getting to the point in life that that I, I don't look at any news outlet or very few with any objectivity anymore. Um, I absolutely, because I've seen firsthand what they've done, I look at the major networks and the way they edit stories to change the meaning of what somebody said. And it's an intentional way of trying to deceive you. And they do it anyway, and you believe it. People believe it. For years, I watched Fox News here in the United States. Oh, someone's saying, how can you dare watch that? Look, I don't even trust them much anymore. Once again, there are a few people that I give some credibility to, but much of what I see is just more corporate media looking for money. It's all about dollars and cents in in the communications world, especially in this country. News is a business. News makes lots of money. And you put these talking heads in front of a camera that look good. And if you're over at MSNBC, you're totally in the tank for the Democrat Party. And you anything they say, you will just believe it at face value and never challenge it. And all you spend your time doing is criticizing the other party and extolling the virtues of the one that you're, well, that you're supporting and trying to get people to be persuaded. And then you had for years Fox trying to be the other direction and trying to pretend they're fair and balanced. And and, and now, once again, it goes down to how much money are we making? What are the ratings? There's some smaller networks that I watch, a lot of online things that I read. And I tried to get enough information to see a, I don't want to use this word, but I'm going to use it, and I'll kind of explain why. I look for what I call a consensus in the reporting, but not one where the word of the day is out there all the time. And what I mean by word of the day, and I've seen this now for 20 some odd years. If you watch the major news networks in the United States and their TV and their radio and whatever, uh, even some of the newspapers, it seems that there'll be an expression, and it's like somebody sent an email out at 3 o'clock in the morning to everybody in the news business that this is the word of the day. I can remember back during the time that George W. Bush was president, and everybody on every TV station the next morning was using the word gravitas. He has, or he lacks gravitas. And it's like, Okay, who sent you the email to say that everybody's got to use the word gravitas today or whatever the expression is? I see it every day. It's like they all compare notes. Somebody decides the day before what the agenda is going to be, and every media outlet at CBS, ABC, NBC, CNN, MSNBC, Washington Post, New York Times, Chicago Tribune, They all repeat the identical same narrative down to the words that they choose. And so it's obvious to me when I see politicians and news media all 
using the same identical wording that this is a planned narrative for you to swallow and believe. There is no creativity in the story. There is no real digging. It is being handed out somehow, some way, and magically by 5 o'clock in the morning, every media outlet is parroting the same exact story, the same exact quotes, the same exact terms out of nowhere. And I sit there and I watch it and I scratch my head and I have to wonder, how can Americans be so gullible? And then I look at our young people today coming out of our public school system, not knowing much about history, geography, even basic skills like the English language are lacking. Spelling doesn't matter anymore because we text everybody and we have our own language with our thumbs. Grammar is out the window for many as well. And so we, we graduate these kids from high school and they're not thoroughly equipped to face the world their, their entire understanding of the world around them comes from Netflix or YouTube or Facebook. And parents are too busy with their two careers or failed marriages to, to really pay attention to what's going on with their young people, their kids. And many parents just get to the point, they just give up, let the kids do what they want to do. There's just, just get out of my way and leave me alone. I'm tired. I've had a long, long, hard day at work. There's a lot of that going on. Let's be honest. There's a tremendous amount of that going on in our world today. Well, so where do we go from here? If truth is a commodity that's in short supply, if truth can be reinvented on a daily basis, and see, that's another thing we've talked about in the program in the past, and maybe... This is your first time listening. Have you ever had a debate with somebody under the age of, let's say, 35? And I'm not, not all, but I'm saying a significant number to be very concerned. We'll talk about that. That's your truth. It's not my truth. Because see, remember, truth is an elusive, varying thing, depending upon what you want it to be. I actually had this discussion with a person that is now going on 20 years of age. And they were talking about when I made a statement, well, that's your truth. And I said, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. It's not my truth. It is a truth. It is the truth. It is the facts. Well, that's what you think. And I'm going, okay, let me give you an example. If I tell you that two plus three equals seven, that's not true. And she looks at me completely serious and goes, well, if, if it is in your mind, then that's your truth, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, 2 plus 3 does not equal 7. We know that. But it's allowable in her world that if that's my reality, I can believe that 2 plus 3 
equals seven. And it doesn't make any difference. And I'm thinking, yeah, it does, especially when somebody's building you a house and the measurements, you know, they just can't be whatever you want them to be. The same is true with the way your automobile is built, technology and everything else. You know, there, there are mathematical numbers that mean something. And like if you look at the electrical box in your house, if the electrician knew nothing about the mathematical formulas about power and wattage and voltage and all these things and, and, and wire, if he decided, well, I believe that this wire is just sufficient because I think that it is. Yet it isn't. You can set the house on fire. What happens when you have a variable truth, you have nothing consistent and nothing makes any sense. And sometimes I wonder if that's what the enemy of our soul is really trying to to accomplish, to rip out anything that's stable. I'm looking at this advertisement. Uh, Somebody shared to me just to look at and say, you know, you wonder where this world is going. You got this guy that is obviously a man. It's a, you know, a photograph that is taken professionally. Uh, He's got his green hair thing going on. And he is, he's got this fake pregnancy going on. But see, because he's a man and he wants to be pregnant, um, he can have the pregnancy experience because he's transgender. And so you can't say that he's not pregnant, even though it's a simulation. There is no, 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 no. He, he's all woman because that's what he believes himself to be. It is this kind of thinking that is becoming mainstreamed into our world through the media, through the movies, through our schools, that you can be any gender you want. If you are a girl and want to be a guy, it's perfectly acceptable to identify as a male. And if you're a male wanting to identify as a nine-year-old little girl, that is thoroughly acceptable. And there's nothing wrong with that thinking or process today. Now, 30 years ago, you would have been seeing a psychiatrist. 30 years ago, a psychologist. 30 years ago, people would be trying to get you the help you needed because your grasp on reality and facts is highly questionable. But today, we're being demanded to believe that a 46-year-old man can identify as a 12-year-old girl. And that's thoroughly acceptable because that's his reality. That's the two plus three equals seven. And we have to accept that. We can't challenge it. You can't deny it. You can't. Look, if you're listening to this program in Canada or in Australia or other parts of the world where they've gone even crazier than the United States, and we're not far behind. We're, we're, We're always just a few years behind. In some places, if a man in his 40s wants to be called a woman and you accidentally called him he, they will sue you. You'll be bought before some kind of a tribunal because you're just an evil, hateful, terrible, something phobic individual. That's the beginning of the destruction of civilization when we can't even grasp right from wrong truth and fact from insanity and a lie. 
By the way, this is the program Truth to Ponder. I know if you're listening in some parts of the world, you used to know this show is your weekend show. A matter of fact, we still have that that, e- that that email address and all that still come to me. And if you go to yourweekendshow.com, it just takes you now to Truth to Ponder. The new website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com. Still trying to make decisions on the kind of programs and things I need to be involved with. You heard me talk about, if you listened on the earlier this week, I was talking about some of the things that I'm looking at working on and, and things that I think are very important moving forward in this very changing world of ours. Truth should be based upon facts and reality, not feelings and emotions and a vote or the will of the people. I mean, we're not, you don't decide that we can reinvent truth. Truth is what it is. The sun comes up as we see it from our eyeballs on the eastern side, and we watch it go away toward the west. That's how we see it with our eyes. Now, you can sit there and explain all the other stuff about the universe. I get it. But I'm saying you're not going to wake up and watch the sun approach you from the west or you approach it from our direction heading. It's not going to work that way. There are things in physics that don't change. There are certain non-variables in this world that don't change. Yet, We have people that believe that anything can be anything if you only want to imagine it. That's another new word that's crept into the vocabulary. Re-imaging, re-imagining. Re-imaging, re-imagining. We're going to re-imagine the police force. We're going to re-imagine this and that and the other. So we can get away from the reality of what they really are and distort it. We have a generation being, well, misinformed, indoctrinated, and allowed to believe that all things are relative. There is no real constant out there. How is this world going to survive if we keep that kind of thought process going? Next week, I'm sure I'll be talking more about these things, and I'm going to be lining up some guests that I think can can shed some light. Today, I just wanted to come before you on this weekend program, I don't normally, I haven't had a chance in a while really just to to speak from the heart. And maybe I need to, you know, share some true stories and things that I've seen that may encourage you in your day-to-day walk. If you're listening to the program, would you take the time to let me know? As I reassess what I'm doing and some projects that are right in front of me that I've got to make some decisions about in the next several days. I want to use my time wisely and efficiently. It's not about me. It's not about my ego. It's about doing what I'm called to do. Programs like this, sometimes I wonder if I'm wasting my time. Yet something inside says that somebody needed to hear what I had to say today. And to get a grasp again, the truth is not relative. Truth is factual. Truth is a foundation. It shouldn't be movable or changeable just because you want it to be. Just because I'm 45-year-old, a 45-year-old man, I can't be a a 12-year-old girl playing with dolls. There's something inherently wrong with that. Yet that's the kind of stuff that's being mainstreamed into our world today. 
Seriously. It's a scary thought, isn't it? Next week will be a very strange week. Uh, if I'm going to be a guessing man, I would say that we will really not know the results for a while of the election. But I think a lot of things are going to change regardless of the outcome pretty quick. Some things that need to be dealt with in this country rapidly before the end of this calendar year. Will the virus suddenly fade away after the election? Time will tell. Time will tell. I've had this feeling as I look at people saying the numbers are spiking, the numbers this, the numbers that. And, you know, it's also flu season has begun, but magically there's no flu. So, yeah, do I have some questions about some of the things that I I see and I read and trying to be told? And, you know, yeah, I do. It's not that I don't believe in science. Actually, I very much do. But I'm not keen on opinions. I'm not keen on 40 years of research and research being thrown out the window because somebody decided this makes a better idea. And it becomes more of a political statement than a factual statement. I would love to hear from you what you have to think what you have to say about what I'm talking about today. And even some ideas for future radio programs and guest suggestions. You can contact the program from the website, which is truththenumber2ponder.com. Truththenumber2, the word ponder, P-O-N-D-E-R, ponder.com. And our mailing address in Georgia is truththeponderordisbob at the address being 21 Berkshire Lane, 21 Berkshire Lane, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, Berkshire Lane. Add the number 263 after the word Lane to get to our little mailbox that they have here. And the city is Sky Valley, Sky Valley, two words, in the state of Georgia, and the zip code 30537. That's 30537. Once again, truth to ponder. You can reach us at 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, in Sky Valley, Georgia, zip code 30537. Next week will be a whole new set of broadcasts, and it's going to be a very strange week indeed, I, I know. And I'll try to, every day or so, get you up to date on the things that are happening. But I do need to hear from you as soon as you can take the time to let me know you listen. And until we get back together again, whether it's next weekend or um, on Monday, may God bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.